Welcome everyone. You're listening to The River Podcast, where you can find messages to help you strengthen your walk with Christ and refresh your soul. Here's our message from this past week. Amen. Ah, Hello, everybody. It is so good to be here. It is such an honor to be here. It truly, truly is an honor to be here. Um, It's so crazy because during worship, that song that we were singing, it reminded me of another song that most of us know, and it's, you. I'm not going to sing it, but you can have my heart, Lord, every part of my world. Take this heart and breathe on it, this life that is now yours. And I remember so many times during church services, that song playing and not being able to say those words. Because you see, I, I understood what that song was saying. I understood the prayer behind that song. I understood the, you can have it all, Lord. That's a hard prayer. And it's so crazy because Gabby, led by the Spirit, she touched on it as well. Just how easy it is to just sing those songs. But in the middle of the moment, when things get hard, when God asks us to walk through the hardship, when God asks us to walk through those difficult seasons, and let me take it a little bit further, when God asks us to give us something that we truly hold dear to our heart, can we really say, you can have it all, Lord? And that is my prayer for us tonight, that there would be a shift within our hearts tonight. And it has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm going to bring Because more than anybody, I need Jesus just like you. I truly need Jesus just like you. I I can't, there's nothing good enough that I can say. There is nothing that can shock you or do anything. But there's one thing that I know can transform your heart. And that's the spirit. That is meeting Jesus, encountering him, not just knowing about him, but seeing him face to face. And that is my prayer for each one of us tonight. I wholeheartedly believe that you are here for a reason. And that reason is to hear this word that God has dropped into my spirit. And my biggest prayer is that you won't just hear it, but that it would shift something in your spirit, that it would shift something within each one of our hearts because I am right there with you guys. This word is just as much for me as it is for you. As I was preparing this, I remembered just different moments in my life where God came. And if you've been a Christian for a while, you can look back at specific instances in your life where you met Jesus so powerfully that it changed you. It it did something within you. And for me, one of those moments was in youth service and for whatever reason, the pastor started talking about the crucifixion. And mind you, I have been a Christian for most of my life. I have known Jesus since I was probably two years old. My father's a pastor. I've just always been in ministry. But on that night, 
I truly got to understand what Jesus did for me. He, he shared so beautifully just what Jesus had to go through to get to the crucifixion. He, he put such an image in my mind that after that moment, I could no longer pray to God the same. I could no longer think about salvation in the same way because I understood. I understood how much it cost Jesus to get me for my salvation and not just mine, but yours. So tonight, that is my biggest prayer, that there would be a moment, it might not be tonight, I, it might not, and that's okay. But if you have not had that one encounter with Jesus that leaves you so transformed, so passionate for who he is, then my biggest prayer is that you would ask him to meet you right where you're at. Because he is good and he is more than able to. Amen? Amen. So as we get started with the word tonight, this word was birthed out of me just really asking the Holy Spirit and just God to show me what has been God's heart's cry recently? What is the one thing that has just been breaking the heart of the Father? And I've been asking and really just seeking God's face. And there's been this big question that has just been booming through my mind over and over again. And it's, do we really know who Jesus is? Do we really know Jesus as his character, as the man and God that he was. And as the Holy Spirit was just leading me from one place to another, he just started to stir within my heart that if we do not truly understand who Jesus is, the character, the son that he is, then how can we really walk as Christians? Because to be Christian literally means to follow Christ. And if we do not know who Christ is, then who are we following? So today, we're just going to dig into the character of Jesus. And trust me when I say it took me so by surprise that God led me to this passage to talk about who Jesus is, but I wholeheartedly believe that the Holy Spirit is going to speak and move the way that he does. So if you can go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew 4 and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 7. And it goes like this, the temptation of Jesus. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. The message of tonight is called the testing. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, my God. We thank you so much, Lord, for just how you've already been moving through the service, Lord. How you've already been speaking to each one of our hearts, my God. Right now, Lord, I just pray that your will would be done, my God, that your words would come forth, Lord, and that you would touch every single heart as only you can do, Lord. We thank you so much. We give you all the glory and all the honor because it truly just belongs to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. As I just said, today we're really just going to dive in into understanding a little bit more of who Jesus is. And like you guys, I was asking God, I'm like, how can we learn more about Jesus when he's being tempted? That doesn't make any sense to me. But if we could grasp the fact that Jesus being all man and all God, he submitted himself to being tempted by the devil. You see, in Genesis, we see that God created the heavens and the earth, which means that God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they created everything, including the angels, including the devil. And then fast forward so many years later, we get to this point right before Jesus starts his ministry where it says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I cannot understand what moment that must have been for Jesus, God, to, to go into that moment to be tempted by his own creation. If that does not speak on the character of who Jesus is, how much he thought, how humbled he was, how meek he was, then we're not understanding how grand of a moment this is. That Jesus was willing to be tempted by his own creation. And now let me pose a question to you and I. If Jesus was willing to put himself in a situation to be tempted by the devil, why are we so terrified of the devil's schemes, of his attacks? Why are we so shaken up when, when we feel like, oh, there's a spiritual warfare. That must mean I, I, I have to run, I have to do something. When if Jesus did it, and if we read the word, it says Jesus must leave so that we could get someone greater, which would be the Holy Spirit which lives in us, then why are we so afraid of the devil? 
as far as I know, the word I read, it says that we have been made victorious through Christ Jesus. It says that the enemy stands at my feet. It says that no matter what comes, he who is greater lives in me than he who lives in the world. So tonight, I want to encourage you. I want to implore you to understand that if Jesus was willing to put himself in a situation to be tempted by the devil and he wasn't scared of him, then why are we? Why are we? More importantly, what I love about this verse, and we're really just going to dig deep into verses 1 and 2. So just, just follow along with me because there's so much goodness in verse 1 and 2. It says again, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Did the devil take Jesus into the wilderness? No. The Spirit of God took Jesus into the wilderness. As I was studying this, I found so incredible that this word, this translation for wilderness is only used in the New Testament. We read in the Old Testament of how the Israelites were in the wilderness and all that good fun stuff. That word of wilderness is different from the wilderness in the New Testament. Wilderness in the Old Testament was literally a place, like a desert, a forest where there's really no life. In the New Testament, wilderness is translated into solitary and desolate. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into solitude, into desolate. And yet, so many times when we find ourselves in seasons of isolation, in seasons where we feel like no one sees us, no one knows us, no one hears us, we're so quick to blame the devil. We are so quick to say, I speak against you, Satan. I will go and I'm going to be with the people because that is where I belong. I belong to be with the crowd. And don't get me wrong, fellowship is so important and it is so vital. But sometimes, let me just say what the word is saying. I'm not sharing my own thoughts. But sometimes the spirit leads us into the wilderness. Now, if we could fully grasp that truth, it would change the way we see our lives. Why? Because when we understand that it is God, the all-knowing God, the good father that we sing to, that we serve, that we know wholeheartedly loves us, when we understand that he is the one putting us in the wilderness, we, we stand a little different. We walk into that wilderness with a little tap on our toes because we know that it is God putting us in there. It is no longer the devil that is taking us into the wilderness. It no longer becomes a bad thing, guys. 
It no longer becomes something that we have to be afraid of. It no longer becomes a season where we're just shaken up. Because when we know that God put us in there, we know that if he put me in there, that must mean that there's something he's working in me. That must mean that there is something he is trying to teach me. That must mean that there is something he's trying to produce from within me. And here's the biggest thing that God keeps on shouting to me over and over again. We are getting it wrong. 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 We have this mindset that because I serve God, my life has to be filled with blessings. We are getting it wrong. And if there's one thing I need you guys to understand tonight is that is not the gospel I'm reading. That is not the gospel that I am seeing. I grew up in church and I am just getting to this understanding now. I am just getting to this understanding that to look and be like Jesus, I must suffer. I must go through the trials. Amen. There is power that comes from the trials. There is power that comes from the affliction. There is power that is produced from the squishing. We talk about new wine time and time again. What is, how do we get wine? It is pressed and the juice comes out. You want the anointing of the Lord? You say you're called to ministry? Then be prepared for the trial. We need to understand this because in the spirit there is an urgency, guys. Something is shifting. If 2020 didn't tell us what's been occurring here on Sundays is telling us God is moving. God is stirring. God needs us to understand that sometimes he leads us into the wilderness. He does not lead us into the mansions. He does not lead us into the churches. He does not lead us into paradise. He leads us into the wilderness. So why are we fighting against the wilderness? If Jesus, the Son of God, the one who created everything, walked through the wilderness, why can't we, we are not exempt of it. We are not exempt of it. And the beautiful thing about this is that God, he is so good that time and time again, we read in his word where he met people, it was in the wilderness. Hagar was cast away from her family. Where did God meet her? In the wilderness. The Israelites walked through the wilderness and God was there. He wasn't happy with them, but God met him there. So let's embrace the wilderness. Let's embrace that if Jesus did it, so can I. If Jesus did it, so can I. Because we have the Holy Spirit in us. 
then it says he was tempted by the devil. The word tempted here means a trial and a test. Again, just like wilderness, trial is only used in this version, only in the New Testament, not in the Old Testament. And I encourage you guys, do not just go based off what's being spoken in the pulpit. Challenge it. Study your word. Look into it. Don't just believe that because we're up here, we are speak. Don't be afraid to go into the word and read and analyze it. We don't do that enough as Christians. We feed, we eat, we feed ourselves off of someone else's experience. We feed ourselves off of what someone else has encountered with their quiet time. What took me five hours to go through, you are getting maybe 20, 30 minutes of it. Imagine what God can show to you during that time. Spend time in the word. Do not get fed by someone else's encounter. You need the bread of life. And the bread can only be eaten through his word. And this word is just for me as it is for you. Hear me when I say I am not here pointing fingers. I am the very first one to say I know I don't spend enough time with Jesus. I could do so much more, but I want to. Let's want to do better together because God is calling us to that now. We're no longer in a time where we can play games. There is a dying world out there. And if our hearts aren't breaking to the fact that people are lost and broken and hurting and we have the answer, then we need to check our hearts. So it says, the word tempted there means a trial, a test, an experiment. As I was studying this, what the Holy Spirit revealed to me was that tempted in the New Testament looks very different from the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, they didn't have the victory. There was no beating temptation. But in the New Testament, because of Jesus' sacrifice, now when we are tempted, it's, a it's an experiment. It's a test. Because you can either pass it or you can fail it. So here it says that Jesus was tempted by the devil. He was put in a trial to see whether or not he would pass or fail. Be encouraged that when you are tempted by the devil, you can either pass the test or you can fail it. And either way, God is right there with you, helping you through it. Amen. But there is a victory that can be found through Jesus. Because now sin no longer has a stronghold on us. Amen. Sin has been conquered through the sacrifice of Jesus. Which means when temptation comes, when those fears comes, when the doubt comes, my spirit can say, hey, that's not something from God. Let me go ahead and let me grab my spiritual toolbox. And that's another thing. We need to practice the spiritual toolbox, guys. <laughs> 
We need to be praying. We need to fast. We need to seek God when needed. We cannot expect again that just because we're coming to church that we are good to go. We can't. That is baby food. And we need meat. Where do we get the meat? Through studying for ourselves. Let's not be wishy-washy when the winds and the water come. Let's not be lukewarm Christians. Let's be on fire for the Lord, for what he is calling us. Because I can promise you that when you have seen the glory of God, when you have tasted his goodness, when you have encountered the king of king, you can no longer stay the same. Because there is something that stirs within you that says, I need more. We don't get satisfied with just a little anymore. And the cry of God's heart is to get us past that point, to get us past the baby food, to get us past the salvation. Praise God, you were saved. But there is so much more that you can get right now, right now in this world, here, because of the Holy Spirit, if we would just understand, and this is so off my notes, but it's okay. If we were to just understand that we are walking in heavenly places at this moment, we, like, whew. If we would understand that if we would just ask God to use us daily, at the market, at the Starbucks, at our job, the purpose your life will have, whew, you would wake up every day saying, Jesus, who are we talking to today? Whose life are we going to change today? When we read the book of Acts, the people were on fire for the Lord. It wasn't because Jesus was right there with him, with them. He wasn't there. But they understood. They saw. They encountered the power of the living God. That should be our prayer. That we would encounter him in such a mighty way that it would burn deep within us. That we would want to share him. That we would want people to see him. That we would want to see our family saved. That we would want to see Boca Raton change. That we would want to see our college campuses change. Because he is able to. It says in his word, there is a lot of work to be done. The harvest is ready, but the workers are few. I see people. Are we working for the kingdom? Are we following Jesus to the point where our lives are so radically changed? May that be our prayer. My first point is, Jesus was led up by the Spirit. Jesus was always surrendered to God the Father. If we want to be more like Jesus, let's be reminded that Jesus surrendered his life. 
he went willingly into the wilderness. He went willingly to be tempted by the devil. May we have the same heart. May we have the same mindset that says, God, you can have it all. Whatever you want, Lord, I am yours. You lead and I follow. Even if I don't like where I'm going, I'm still going to follow you. Even if I don't see where I'm going, I'm still going to follow you. Amen. Amen. The second point is, it goes into verse 2. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. He then became hungry. So for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus did not eat anything at all. And it says in the scripture that after, after the 40 days were done, after his fasting period was done, he then became hungry. What that shows me is that when he was in God's presence, God sustained him. In the same way that Jesus was surrendered, Jesus was also sustained by the Father. And in the same way that we're called to be surrendered to God and to his spirit, we should also be encouraged that if we're being asked to surrender and to fast and to do all these things, God will also sustain us as well. Amen. Then the devil comes to Jesus and he says, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. I want to pause right here. We just saw that Jesus was hungry. He needed food. So what did the devil test him with? Make your own food. Jesus was hungry because his flesh needed food. So what did the devil tempt him with? Feed your flesh. What's your flesh craving right now? Is your flesh craving to be in a relationship? Is your flesh feeling a little lonely? Because if you are, then guess what the devil's going to try to tempt you with? A relationship. Is your flesh hormonal right now? Let's be real. We're at church, but it's okay. Because if you're feeling all the feelings, then guess what the devil's going to present to you? Porn, sex outside of marriage, so many different things. Because it's what your flesh wants. So what is your flesh craving right now? Because whatever your flesh wants the most, that's the very first thing the devil's going to come at you. And let me remind you, we already have the victory through Jesus. It is a trial. It is not so much a temptation. It's not going to get the best of you. It is simply a trial to see, will you fall into it or will you overcome it by the blood of the lamb? Very simple. We get to choose. And I think so many times in the Christian realm, I don't have a clock, so I don't know how I'm doing with time. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> um, I think so many times in the Christian realm, we forget that we can fight 
temptation, that we can win temptations, that if my flesh wants to do something, I have the power through the Holy Spirit to say, you're not going to get me today. You're not going to win right now. I know that you want me to fall into this, but, but, and here's where it all falls into. But if I understand that as I feed my flesh, as I fall into temptation, I am hurting, breaking the heart of Jesus, it changes things. When we don't truly understand the relationship we have with God, temptation and sin becomes something that's very easy to just give into. But when we encounter and we grasp that as I am falling into sin, God is crying and his heart is breaking. And it's not in a sense to say that God's disappointed. It's in a sense to say that he wants you to live the abundant life. And God in his all-knowing knowledge understands that as we fall into temptation, as we fall into sin, we're trying to satisfy something within our hearts. We are trying to satisfy a hole within our hearts that at the end of it, he's the only one that can fix. And that's what breaks his heart. It's not that you fell. It's not that you fell. It's not that he's disappointed. It's that he literally has what you need. And he's saying, hey, don't go there. Come to me. I will give it to you and it will taste so much better. It will be everlasting. It will give you the life that you're looking for. But yet we fall because we don't understand how much it breaks his heart. So Jesus was surrendered, and in the same way, Jesus was sustained by the Father. And finally, the last point I want to bring up is Jesus stood against the test. Jesus stood against the test. And to me, Jesus was tempted at least four different times. The devil tested his flesh. The devil tested him by uh, wanting to do his own will instead of the will of the Father. And, God, and the devil also tested him by showing him everything that he could offer the world. But through it all, Jesus stood. He stood against the devil, against the trials because he understood he understood that it wasn't just about him. It wasn't just about Jesus. It wasn't just about him being holy. But he understood that there was something greater. He had to go through all these temptations and beat them so that at the end of it all, he could actually take up the cross, die blameless, without sin for our sacrifice. I've been asking myself, what does it mean to be humble? 
how can we be humble? How can we be humble but not like insecure, humble but confident? It just wasn't making sense to me. Until at our job we were having this discussion and, and what we came out of it was that the best way to be humble, to truly have a humble heart, is to think about others. And that's the very definition of Jesus. He always put the needs of others before his. He was hungry, 40 days without food. Guys, I'm fasting for a day and I'm starving. I cannot wait to go to McDonald's and get me a cheeseburger. Jesus is good and the Holy Spirit is good. But to go 40 days without food, I don't know if I can. I'm sure God would help me. I'm, I'm really sure he would. But he went 40 days without eating anything. I don't even know who's done 40 days. Praise God for those that have. But to think 40 days, that's a month. And I just want perspective. That's a month. And 10 days more, 40 days without food. He was hungry. He could have eaten the bread. But what stopped him was knowing that others were depending on him beating that trial, on him beating that experiment, on him beating that test. And if we were to just look at our own lives, when the trials come, when the wilderness seasons come, when we're faced with the hardships of life, if we were to just stop for a moment and realize that it's not so much about me, it's not. All the things I went through in my childhood, they weren't about me. I can tell you now I know what they were for. Yes, I'm sure God worked things out through me. But now when I talk to a woman who's been sexually abused, I can relate. Now when I talk to someone who feels abandoned, I can relate. Now when I talk to someone or when I see a woman who's so desperate for the love of men because her father wasn't there for her, I can relate. And that's what the trials do. They work within us because that's how good God is. He is all-knowing and so good that he can do two things at the same time. He was working within my heart, but in the same way, he was using it all so that at the very end of it all, I could look back and say, hey, I see you there. I've been there too. Let me show you how to walk out of that. Let me help you get out of that season. And that's the God that we serve. He is not one to put us through something unless there's purpose behind it. He is not one to put us through something unless there is purpose behind it. If we could understand that and not just understand it in our head, but grasp it in our hearts, the world would be different. The world would radically change. So tonight, hear the heart of the Father. Hear his cry. 
do we really know who Jesus is? Do we really understand that Jesus lived surrendered? He allowed the Spirit to lead him into the trials and into the wilderness. Do we really understand that through the trials and the wilderness, God still sustained him? Do we really grasp that Jesus stood through the test? And if he did it, we can too. So be encouraged tonight as the band comes forward. As we stand up to pray, I don't want to end this night without asking, thank you, and really just making sure that we all truly have accepted Jesus into our lives. In the word it says, count the cost before following him. Count the cost before saying your yes. It's been so, it's been a purifying season for me in my life. God has been showing me just how much of the things that I thought that were true really aren't. And he's been challenging my Christianity. He's been challenging the way I view him and challenging the way I see him. So tonight, as I just present Jesus to you, I don't want you guys to say yes out of mere emotion. Because that's how so many times the salvation call is said. It is out of an emotion or it's a get out of jail card, right? If you accept Jesus, you get to go to heaven. But that's where we're getting it wrong. Yes, we get heaven, but we also get sanctification here. And sanctification isn't easy. Jesus did not promise easy. Jesus did not promise easy. He promised persecution. He promised hardship. But he also promised that he has overcome the world. And as long as we abide in him, he will sustain us through it all. So today, as we talk about who this beautiful Jesus is, because he is, he is so good and so kind. And all he wants is your heart. But as we talk about him, as you feel in your heart to follow him, count the cost. Count the cost. You might lose some friendships. You might offend some people. You'll walk through hard seasons. There'll be pruning, which means God cuts bad things off of you. There'll be fire. 
But if you talk to anyone who has been face to face with Jesus, it's worth it. Everything is worth it. Because as we give that away, we get more of Him. And He, He is truly everything you need. Everything, every need, every desire, every want can only be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, and leave a rating and review. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The River YA. All of our links to keep in touch are down below. We hope this blessed you, and we'll see you next time at The River. Come find life.